beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Wildcard Conversations. I'm your host Katja Bavendam and if you ask me, it has been way too long since I have been in your ears. Since the last episode aired, life got extra busy with homeowner things, work stress, a volunteer trip to Africa, a whole new job and everything in between. It is so good to be back. I have really missed doing this. If you are a loyal listener, thank you so much and thank you for coming back. It means the world to me. And if you are new here, welcome to my little show where I share the mic with friends, strangers and acquaintances. And why is it called Wildcard Conversations? Well, it all starts with a thought-provoking question from a random card and we let the conversation unfold from there. I truly believe that everyone has important stories to tell and wisdom to share and I love these meaningful one-on-one conversations so much and I hope you do too. On today's episode, I am joined by fellow personal growth coach Christy Flynn who is full of positive, calming and supportive energy. We talk about how her children inspired courage in her, how that courage is connected to trusting herself how she came back to the sport she loved as a teenager in her midlife, her open water swimming adventures, and how important it is to keep having fun as we get older. As a coach, Christy specializes in working with highly capable professional women, and if you are seeking alignment in your life or need some help defining what you want your next chapter to look like, Christy might just be your girl. Thank you again for tuning in, and you know what I'm going to ask of you If you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast, please leave ratings and reviews, like and subscribe, hit the stars, hit the notification bells, tell a friend or a hundred friends, or do whatever else you might do to support a podcast you enjoy. That's enough from me, so without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the wonderful Christy Flynn. Hi Christy, welcome to the podcast, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Katja. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Okay. And as always, I'm going to start by telling the listeners a little bit about how we know each other, who you are to me. So we got connected through a mutual friend from the beautiful community of female life coaches that is out there. Allison, who was also a guest on the podcast at some point. Awesome episode. Everybody go listen to it. And we got connected as sort of accountability buddies, as we're both on our respective journeys of maybe growing our businesses or figuring out where we want to go with this coaching journey. And so we have this standing meeting on the calendar to hold each other accountable with our goals and action steps. And one of my action steps was to get back into podcasting and what better person to get into it with than you. So today we're going to swap the accountability chat for a podcast recording. So I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I am so excited to be here and I love our accountability meetups. They're good for me. I think they're great, great for you, great for me. And so to switch it up is super fun. So thanks for having me. I've never done anything like this with a stranger, if you will, and just have a standing meeting, but it might be some food for thought for everyone listening to if you're trying to get some routine into your social life, just put a standing meeting on the calendar with someone you're connected with through business or a friend 
it's been really great to have that kind of consistency, I feel like. And yes, I, I agree. I think it's great for both of us. So we're here for the podcast. You know the concept a little bit. I'm going to have you choose from my six categories of cards and I will draw a random question and we'll just take it from there. Okay, let's do it. Okay, the categories are dreams, life lessons, exposed, courage, beliefs, and self-awareness. Life lessons. Okay. You have children, right? I do. Yes, I have a son and a daughter in their okay. 20s. Because I'm asking this because the word children is in here. Okay, here it comes. What key life advice did you learn from children? Such a good question. Uh, my husband and I have a son who's 27 and a daughter who's 24. And I, for myself, the lesson I learned from my kids is don't be afraid. And I think that I look back when I was, you know, in middle school and high school, college, and I operated in a place of, I didn't have a lot of courage. I've always dealt with anxiety. And I think that while I was raised in a beautiful, wonderful, loving family home, courage wasn't necessarily a word that entered into the vocabulary in my family. If I think about it, the word that appears is caution alongside thoughtfulness. And my husband and I tend to be cautious to a degree, but somehow, and I don't quite know how yet, we raise these two amazing human beings and they have a lot of courage to try things, to step out of their comfort zone, to push themselves and frankly, to kind of trust us too uh, as parents, which is the greatest gift. The first example is how courageous our son was when he was 17, really just turned 17. And he had just finished his junior year in high school and he came out to us as gay. And I will never forget it. It was this early summer evening. We were in our kitchen. Our daughter was away at camp. We were all at the breakfast bar in our kitchen and I had fixed hamburgers that night. And as I say, we were like literally all face down in our burgers going for it, eating. And he came around to face my husband and I, and he said, I, I've got something to tell you. And I, we were just all like, okay, cause we're hungry, man. And when we were eating, we're eating. And, you know, he said, I'm gay. And in that moment, I knew, I think my head swiveled to the right to look at my husband because this was a huge moment. It was a huge moment of trust and of courage. And I just was like thinking to myself, we cannot screw this up in our response, right? We can't. And I am incredibly blessed to have a husband who could give two rips to you love. He, he doesn't care. I don't care. I just remember in this, in that moment and following and, and ever since just how courageous that kid was to share something so deeply personal to us. And I felt honored. And that's what we told him that we were honored that he shared that with us. And he, his answer was, I knew you wouldn't care, but I, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And I just needed to tell you. And it was just one of those moments. I just thought, how do we, I just was kind of like, who raised this? I was, I was just kind of surprised, you know, based on how Todd and I operate sometimes in terms of courage. And so that was just one lesson of just, I was in awe of him at that point. 
And then with our daughter, you know, she is, I'm barely five, four, if I'm five, four, and my daughter's the same height and she wanted to play volleyball. And as you know, volleyball's really meant for the tall people. And I was like, sure, let's do it. Let's go for it. And my husband's like, well, you know, you gotta be tall. And then she just said, you know, dad, you're a, you're a dream killer. And he's like, no, I'm not, no, that's not what I meant. But that for her fired her up and she had the courage. I think my husband was trying to be realistic, you know, but for her, that was just this courageous kick in the butt. I'm going to prove you wrong. And she became an amazing libero. You know, she was the player in the court that was, you know, digging out those serves and she became an ace server. She was incredible. And I just remember the, I was so amazed at her courage. 12 years old, was so proud of her. I'm still proud of her for that. So I think for my kids, you know, they've just taught us both as a couple, but for me as a, as a mom, as a woman, that courage is, is yours to find and you've got to find it and work hard on it. But I was just so impressed with them at such young ages, how they, they found it. That's beautiful. And then with you being sort of infused with this courage, this message of don't be afraid from your children, almost, you know, in awe and surprise as you said, like, who raised these kids? Like, not me, <laughs> you know, not this like naturally anxious person couldn't have been right. Me. Were there then moments that you remember in your own life where you felt like you directly applied that message and that lesson? For sure. I think that as, you know, I watched them go through their teens, go off to college, which is another courageous thing they did is they, I don't know if they were running away from us or what, but they went from, we live near Seattle and they went to school in Boston. Both of them did. They ended up at the same college and they, they didn't know anybody there. When my son went there, he didn't know anyone. When my daughter went there, she knew her brother, you know, and she was a freshman, he was a senior. And so I, I watched these, these just adventures and they continue to do it in their life now as young adults. And so I am inspired by them. And so I, instead of my first thought being like, oh, that might be hard. It's like, well, what's the problem? What, what's stopping you? Why can't you do that? I think that that has kind of seeped into me and I become more courageous on whether I'm a, I'm a master swimmer. And so I've really, over the last several years, been doing more open water swimming. So these open water swim races are adventures. And so it's like, why can't I swim from in a race from Alcatraz in San Francisco to, to Ghirardelli Square? Why can't I do that? I should. I did it. It was awesome. I was in the top 20 for women. You know, why can't I do some other crazy swims, whether they're in Ireland or England or in Woodby Island near me? Like, you know, those are things. Why can't I start a business in my early 50s of, of coaching with a, I don't know what career it would be, third career or whatever it is. And so I have taken that courage and it has helped me to put my anxiety aside and self-doubt when I look at my kids. First of all, I'm blown away by this open water swimming. And this is the beauty of this <laughs> podcast. I love interviewing good friends where I can dig a little deeper, but I also love interviewing new friends that I don't know that much about what they've done in their life. So yeah. I'm like, you did what? Because yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, I can swim, I can survive, but I'm by no means a good swimmer. I learned swimming relatively late and I have a deep respect for the ocean and it does mm -hmm. i'm not afraid of many 
things in life, but being in the deep blue sea definitely is one of those places where I'm like, mm, this is feeling a little scary. So tell me more about open water swimming. Is there any part of you that's in that water and thinking about, I don't know, animals lurking underneath oh. or, you know, <laughs> currents or waves or, you know, all the things that the average person might think of when they're swimming from Alcatraz? Right. Well, for sure. So I was lucky enough to grow up on the water on a place called Bainbridge Island, which is just west of Seattle. And we were fortunate enough to live on the beach. And my parents knew from the beginning that swim lessons were just a key life lesson because we lived on the beach. And then we ended up doing competitive swimming. I say we, me and my two younger sisters. And then we were, we had a little boat that we would ski behind. So all of that stuff was important. And I was taught at that point that you had to have a very healthy respect for the water, uh, whether you were in the pool or when you were especially out in open water. So I came back to swimming almost 10 years ago after being away from it for a very long time. Most of my training is in the pool. It's great. I love it. I compete sometimes in, in pool meets, but the open water is super fun. And there have been times when I really kind of just I near panic. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how experienced you are. I wear a wetsuit a lot, which especially if you're in Puget Sound or the Salish Sea, it's cold. Uh, even in the summertime, it's cold. And so that's a smart thing to do is to wear that wetsuit. So yeah, I have this thing that I only realized like several years ago. When I'm swimming in open water, when I put my face down to swim, I don't open my eyes. Mm. Um, now in the pool, I open my eyes because I'm following the black line and it's just what I do. But I don't open my eyes because especially in Puget Sound, it's dark and it's gray. And unless you're in the shallow, you can't really see to the bottom. And I don't, that's part of a protective measure for me. I think um, in open water swimming, you have to be siding. So you're swimming, you lift your head up, there's a technique to do it efficiently. And so, but when I've noticed that when I put my face back down in the water, I don't, I don't open my eyes and that's a protective measure. Also, you know, sometimes there's a seal that will pop up and that super freaks me out. There are people that love the seals and they'll get their GoPro on and go down in there. And seals are generally very friendly. They're just curious. The sea lions you want to watch out for. And if I see a sea lion out there, it's like, no, nah, not, not doing it. Don't need to go in the water today. So that's kind of routine swim with friends in an event like Alcatraz. And you know this feeling from basketball, you have, you get jacked, man. You, your adrenaline is going before those swims. And it's the, it's how you control that adrenaline and how you focus that and channel it in the right way. And it goes back to courage and then trust that your training has kicked in. And so in particular for Alcatraz out in the Bay, they do have sightings of great white sharks and that's freaky. <laughs> But you also have to trust that they wouldn't run a race because it's a very professional race. It's 700 swimmers, usually Saturday morning in September. If there was any danger, they wouldn't run it. I mean, they just they just wouldn't. So you have to trust race organizers, all the volunteers that are putting in the time. They line the courses with kayaks. They do a great pre-race meeting. And so when you're starting that race and you're what you're doing is you're taking the tour boats that would normally go to Alcatraz and they spin around just before they would dock off Alcatraz. And you're you're jumping three abreast down into the water. And it they're they're like it's military precision. When you get to that edge and we say go, it's not the time to flip out. You go 
you get in the water, you swim off to the side if you need to adjust your goggles, and then you start swimming. We have to get that many swimmers into the water because it is a shipping channel as well. So they need to move the race along. And so you, your job is to take care of yourself, right? And you don't worry about anybody else because you know it's staffed. And so that's just the mind thing of, okay, I'm, I'm going to be courageous. I'm here. I paid some money to come down here, so it better be great. <laughs> and you have to trust. And you just put your mind in a, in a zone of, I've trained for it. The water's not cold because it's not because you've acclimated. You trust your technique. You try and be as smart as possible. And you also know if it's not your day, one, you shouldn't, you know, you can tell free race if you're just not ready to do it. If your mind's not in a good place, you don't feel good, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. Or in the middle of the swim, if you're just like, I'm out, okay, call it. Now I haven't had to call a race like that before. I almost did one time because I had a really bad vertigo in another race and I managed to to do okay, but it was, it was miserable. So yeah, you just have to kind of get yourself to a point of trust. And then you got to remind yourself, yeah, I need to have some fun too. Yeah. It's so interesting. I have, I have questions. Okay. So, <laughs> so first of all, you kept saying the closing the eyes is sort of a protective measure. How so? Does it protect you from the panic or from like seeing what's going on where you're at? Or is it more of a like actual physical protection of your eyes? Like, what do you mean by well, that? Well, I've got, I've got goggles on. And so for me, it's just psychological. I don't want to see what's underneath me because there's nothing underneath. Yeah, because I can't see anything. I can't see anything more than maybe six to inches below me. And then if my eyes are open, I that's when my brain starts imagining things like what's under there. You know, right. what could be under there? It's dark. In the okay. pool, it's clear. I can see if a Band-Aid's at the bottom of a pool. Which, so when it's dark, you don't know what's there and okay. it gets really freaky. So it is literally a psychological protection for me. That's what I thought. I can relate to that by if I'm riding my bike in the dark and I'm looking to the right into the woods that I'm passing. If I'm really looking <laughs> at it, I start thinking about it, But if I just keep straight ahead, I can't close my eyes while I'm biking. But so I, I get that. Right. But it comes back to this like deep trust and surrender to the situation, right? Like yep. you're in a wetsuit, you look like a seal. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. To, to me, what I'm thinking is, you were talking about the seals more like as the seals being the danger for me, just from my understanding of the ocean. I'm always like, you don't want to be neo seals because then you could be near the things that want to eat the seals. <laughs> well, there, that's, we joke. We joke about that. Like, Oh, look, we're in black wetsuits. We, what do we look like? Right. Food right. for orcas. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. And I think that is, um, the chances of that happening are probably a little lower than in places where there's more sharks, because I think the sharks are, you know, are a little bit more famous for the test biting, whereas the orcas right. are a little bit more intelligent, not saying that sharks aren't intelligent, no shade to the sharks out there. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, just as you were talking about this trust, because this is like one of the things where I'm like, oh, I would never like, get in a black wetsuit and swim in like you know shark and orca infested waters that just seems nuts like why would you put trust in the world like that but then in a way every activity that involves some sort of risk is a trust exercise right for sure getting on a plane is probably just as risky as swimming in a wetsuit where there might be a shark around right the chances of something going wrong are very very low but if something does go wrong you're kind of screwed so it's that's so like how is swimming 
in the ocean different from traveling on a plane maybe it's psychologically different i think well and it's i wouldn't say i'm risk averse but i'm pretty people are like god that is so crazy i'm like but for me it's not because i have a lifelong association with swimming i'm confident in my swimming i can i know i can swim the 1.25 miles you know a lot of races are 1.25 miles open water races and then they go on up from there but um you know I, i'm confident in that so I have that trust in myself because if I lose trust in myself, I mean, I hang on to that really hard when I'm in a, in a situation like open water where it's like if the water's rough. And so I hang on to that, that I'm more than capable to finish. And then there's also, you know, I have the competitive nature of it. I, I'd like to get a really good time. I'm not out here fooling around. You know, some of my friends are a couple of them. Most of them are competitive, but there's some of them that are just swimming for the heck of it and the joy of it. And and while I experience joy, they truly don't give a rip what time it is. I've always got a goal that helps me Mm -hmm. for sure to have that goal to, to get after it. I'm also curious. I don't know your exact age. Do you mind sharing with us how old you are? Well, I just turned 55. Okay. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank you. And so you mentioned that you so you grew up swimming and then mm-hmm. it sounds like you took a break from it and and you came back to it about 10 years ago. So I'm doing the math. So you came back to it when your kids were older teenagers and you were somewhere in your 40s, right? Which Correct. I feel like is an interesting time to come back to the sport that you were once good at, right? And then kind of fell off as life happened and you had kids. So how did that happen? Well, it was really interesting. I had started, I started back uh, signing up with a, a master's team and it's US Masters Swimming. And there's teams all over the United States. There's teams internationally. And I had actually started lap swimming in the spring of 2013, just on my own. I will admit I'm a terrible lap swimmer because having grown up from swim team from the time I was in kindergarten through high school, I was used to the camaraderie of a workout of the movement of my particular lane. We were all doing it together. Um, Having a coach, that was important to me. I'm not as motivated when I'm swimming on my own, but I felt the need to get back in the pool. And then a friend of mine said, hey, I'm training for triathlons. I need more structured workouts. I found this master's team about 15 minutes away. Do you want to come with me? I said, totally, I'll, I'll check it out. And then another friend started as well. It was one of those things that was meant to be because this particular team, you know, has some men, but we joke that it's a women's team and we'd let the boys in, but it is, it's for everybody. But this particular group had this core group of women that have become just fast friends of mine. And I'm the youngest of them. Some of them are uh, in their mid sixties and they're all faster than me. You know, they're former division one, all American butterflyers. Most of these women swim in college. I mean, they're amazing. But they were also, they were, they're just not amazing swimmers. They're amazing people. And so it was a time when my kids were more independent. I needed something for myself and that form of exercise. It was primarily for exercise, but then that the social component was so important. It was after practice showering and just yakking in the locker room, something that I had grown up with. And you don't know how much you miss it till you go back. And I was like, it's become a key component of my life. And so started back and I had just turned 45. And so it'll be yeah, 10 years this fall, basically the September when I started. And it's amazing. It's this, you know, some, everybody has something. 
you know, or I hope everybody has something. I think it's really critical. And I think the community, yeah, the exercise is great, but it's been the social connection that I think has had the most long-term beneficial impacts for me, for sure. And it's interesting, right? That you were sort of in this place in your life that, okay, the kids are older, they don't need me as much. And you sort of organically felt this push to take care of yourself as an individual again. Yes. yes. And then it brought you back to the thing that brought you joy before kids yeah. came into your life. So it's it's interesting to to see that organic coming back to yourself. So that's super cool. Well, and I told another friend of mine who we swam together from growing up and in high school, you know, swam club swimming and then high school girls swimming. And she was swimming masters at that point. She, I said, you know, I'm falling in love with it all over again, because by the time you're done, I, I didn't swim in college. By the time I left high school, I was done with it. You know, I was just kind of just done. I didn't want to do it anymore, which I think is pretty typical, but I didn't realize all the things I was missing. You just because life happened. I went to work, I got married, I had kids. I mean, you're just all of a sudden, it's 25 years later, and here you are. So it was really good for me. It has been really good for me. It continues to be really good. That is inspirational. Since my my basketball journey ended, and it and ended pretty abruptly. I don't, I don't know if you know the story. I think I might have talked about it a little bit. I did Division One, and I played professionally yeah. in Europe, and it got cut short by a career-ending injury. Mm, that's right. So, and that was about God, eleven, twelve years ago. And I think since then, I've been just lacking that passion for something. Maybe basketball is a little different than swimming. I think basketball is just a tougher sport to do yeah. as your as your body is aging. For sure. Uh, But recently, my uh, one of my good friends who I used to play on the German national team with, she wants me to kind of come out of retirement and maybe play this tournament in Italy. So I've been thinking about it and thinking about what it, what it would take, because it would definitely take me getting back in the gym and building my muscles more than anything, making sure that my old knees are supported and all of that. So it's it's just kind of interesting to hear that it's not just about the exercise and the, about the pushing yourself, but that there's also this social joy and this mm -hmm. tapping back into, you know, the, the joy and social connection of youth on the other side of that. So I'm going to keep that in mind as I think about my <laughs> comeback, you know, you if should, you will. Because, and I see this with, with other women your age and, and then you know, older and, and my age in lots of things. And it's, I just think it's so beneficial, whether it's golf, whether it's tennis, you know, like you said, a lot of women are still who are volleyball, volleyball players are still playing basketball. I mean, that that's such a man, it's a rugged sport, right? I mean, it's, it's physical and, you know, knees and all that, but there is that, you know, anything that brings that connection in whatever it is, is really great. I just mm -hmm. think it's so healthy. I mean, that's what we always say. That's what got a bunch of us through the pandemic was <laughs> we couldn't swim in the pools because the pools weren't open for several months. And so we would go to parks. We started our open water swimming early 
like in April and we just put on wetsuits and thermal caps and, you know, the parks were close. We had to park three streets away and kind of like, we felt like we were sneaking in, but we had to do it. And we had, and to see each other, we were social distancing. I mean, all that, that was before the vaccines. So that was helpful. And then when we could get back in the pool, we literally had to be like one on each end of the pool. And if there's four in the lane, then there was two in the middle, but we were just happy to be there. And we couldn't be in the locker room. We were outside, you know, cause we swim outside all year. It, it was crazy, but it was knowing we were going to see each other, we could talk to each other and we could do something together was it really helped. It really helped. So mm-hmm. I really think you should, if your bodies can do it, I think you totally, I think it would just be amazing for you to try and do that. Well, my body's been surprising me a little bit lately. I went on this running kick, right? As you might've seen. On I Instagram. know you did. Yeah. I'm, and then I'm so that- proud of you. Thank you. And then that kind of ended with me uh, getting a really, really bad cold or flu and it kind of put a damper on it. But it really was, it kind of goes against doctor's orders in a way because any orthopedic specialist would probably look at my knees and tell me not to run. But I think because there's such joy and connection and trust in my body and trust in myself that if I do feel pain, I will regulate and take a break. That I didn't have any knee pain, which was really, you know, really surprising. And so that gave me this boost of like, huh, maybe there's other things that I thought I couldn't do anymore, but maybe I can, and I can't trust myself, like go about it the right way. So don't you find, I think as, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I had no self-awareness of when I was swimming and we were taught technique, but also in the middle of a you know, two hour, very grueling workout, you know, I was just, I was grinding it out and ignoring pain. And to the point then, you know, when it was hurting, it was, it was awful, but you just, now that I'm back, I'm like, no, I can't, you know, I've really worked on technique. Cause I'm like, I don't, I can't just do that. And that comes with, you know, age and wisdom and not wanting to hurt like that. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just one of those things of, you know, you're, you're self-aware, you're going to know, like, like you said, you can, you can self-regulate and that's really important. Yeah. Okay. I'm very, I'm very inspired by your later in life, open water swimming adventures. But well, and you know, I'm proud to say I can still do a little bit of, um, it's funny, my backstroke has gotten better as I've gotten older. I don't know what, what that's about and I can still do some butterfly. So as long as I can hang on to that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm really proud of myself. I wouldn't even know what signal to remotely send to my limbs to do a butterfly stroke. So <laughs> that it's just I'm always so impressed by swimmers it's like one of those things that I'm I'm just so bad at that yes I'm impressed well it's like me and dribbling a basketball so there you go okay that's <laughs> my brain doesn't send those signals here <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny okay I've been sitting on this question ever since your initial answer that the this life lesson from your children was don't be afraid is there something in your life where you feel like you're getting to the limits of your courage that you want to do but haven't done yet because you're afraid? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Uh, sitting here today, I don't have an answer for that. And I think part of the reason is the last five years has been kind of crazy. 
both just in my life in terms of what my husband and I have done of buying a very old house, basically tearing it down, redoing that, you know, planning for that project, which is now finally coming to an end. You throw in the pandemic, uh, you throw in both my father and my father-in-law have been gone for over a decade now. So now we're responsible for our elderly moms. And so it's been such, as you know, I mean, everybody's got a story over the last several years, right? With the pandemic, I feel like I'm in a position where I'm starting to kind of emerge again. So I, I, I just don't have an answer for that because I feel like I'm still recovering in some ways from everything that in our personal lives and then with our pandemic we've gone through. I do know that when I get an idea, you know, something's like, huh, I wonder if I can do that. I do process it, but I'm also not an overanalyzer because mm-hmm. I've watched people around me overanalyze things and then they're stuck. I don't ever do it. So that was kind of a non-answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no that, that's fine. I think that's also just a good reminder that there's seasons in life yeah. that are just busy and more externally focused. And then there are seasons in life where you really have time to get to your limits and focus on personal development and all of that. So I appreciate the honesty and the the candor of just being like, you know what, I haven't really the last five years, I haven't really thought about too much what kind of adventures I want to go on and what I may or may not be afraid of. That's totally fair. Well, and I but I do know that I feel like within the next, I mean, hitting a milestone birthday of 55, which doesn't bother me at all. But it does bring into perspective in terms of health and wellness that if I'm going to do some cool adventures, whatever that is, whether that's swimming, whether that's hiking with my husband and some cool places, exotic or close to home or whatever it is, you know, we need to get our rear ends in gear and, and start thinking about that, which is exciting and can be a little scary. At the same time, I feel like within another six months, I may have that, you know, like something's going to bubble up within me. Um, and then I'll get, I feel like I'm moving towards the end of several things that'll allow my brain space and my emotions to let those thoughts come to me and act on them. I sense that with you, I'm going to turn it around and put it with this basketball thing in Italy. I'm kind of excited about it. And I am lacking a little bit of community in my life, for sure, where I don't have my people right now, necessarily. It's so funny because a lot of my closest friends are still from the basketball community. And down here in Florida, the things that I enjoy doing and why I'm so happy to be in Florida are, li- are a little bit more solitary. Sunset on the beach or right. the sunrise paddleboarding. It's not necessarily community-based. So I think maybe tapping back into the basketball community will be a good thing. You know, there's this great saying it's a woman who came up with this, but it's leap and the net will appear. I hold that close to me. And that goes back to trust and courage. And I think that, you know, because you've been running until you got your nasty cold, you you saw what your body could do. And it's mm-hmm. so different when you're in your teens and 20s to when you're in your 30s, right? Or when you're in your 50s. And that was another thing I had to reset when I got back in the pool. My body was not going to perform and feel like it did when I was 17. And that's the same that you'll you'll find. And there's some acceptance in that. My advice is don't fight it. Just invite it in and go, okay, this, this body has done amazing things. It can still do amazing things. It's just the definition of amazing is different. Yeah, it's um, going to look a little different. Yeah, yeah 
But you know what, even like, I just have such an appreciation, you know, the things we take for granted when we're young, just like the ability to break out into an actual sprint. (laughs) There's running and then there's running, right? Like my running is more of a, would probably qualify more as a jogging situation, Right. right? But I felt on days where I felt particularly light and strong, I felt kind of that the mechanics of actual running as in sprinting Mm. coming back a little bit. And I feel like to be able to do that again, to actually, and it's probably not going to be as fast as it was when I was 22, but the thought of running down the full length of a basketball court at an actual full sprint, whatever that may look like in this body. That is so exciting to me. And it would feel so empowering to do that to like, you know, run an actual fast break. And yeah, and not like need oxygen at the end of it. Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, collapse to the floor, because I don't have any cartilage left in my knees. Right. It is super. I mean, that's the thing when we come back to talking about courage and trust is if you trust yourself and you, you know, you have the courage to do it, what comes on the other side of it is that feeling of joy and empowerment. And I think as women, we put so much on ourselves on so many different facets of our life. And it's just fun to play. And I think we forget that. And that's the thing, at least for me in swimming now is it's all the things from, you know, if I'm competing to if I'm practicing, or if it's just fun, I have to remember, I am doing it for fun, you know, and that's, that's what's probably the healthiest, right? Is that fun component? Yeah, we should all have a little bit more fun. It's just over at new friends that I've made here in St. Pete, they invited me over to the pool at their house, which was I was incredibly grateful for. And I like to cannonball into a pool because it's, (laughs) it's safe, right? You're not gonna get injured diving into shallow water. The worst thing that can happen is, you know, you bump your butt on the bottom. So they have been in this house for I don't know how many years, maybe five years. And one of the the women was like, you know what? I've never like done a cannonball into this pool. And then we just kept jumping into that pool like children because she was just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to show you how to do it. And it was just, you know, so <laughs> silly about it. And I'm like, you know, you have to grab your knees for proper form. Right. And, right. So just that. and there's the two knee cannonball. There's the one knee. I mean, like there's different styles for sure. For sure. And then there's, she was pinching her nose, which is just not, that's not how you do it. You just go in no, there. You just got to blow your bubbles out, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you say sometimes we just have to play and have fun. I think I was just reminded of, I know I still have that in me, obviously. And I've definitely lately been feeling like I'm in this transitional period of sometimes I feel a little dissonance. And I don't know mm-hmm. if, you, if you can take yourself back to uh, when you were in your late 30s, sort of approaching 40, but I'm like, I'm finding myself in situations where I'm talking to a 21 year old and I'm like, oh shit, that's a generation between yeah. us, right? And I find myself giving out this like, oh, enjoy it while you're young advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, who are you? So But then I don't think of myself as really entering middle. It's 
in some ways I do right. because I feel like the, the pressure of having to like build up savings and retirement funds and all of that. Like I feel the pressure to be a full like young middle-aged adult, adult right? But at the same time, in many ways, I feel like I still have the same like zest and courage and I don't know, wanting to go on adventures that I did when I was 23, right? So it's just an interesting transitional period right now. Well, yeah, it's there's a bit of you're just in this in between, right? Wait, I'm looking back. I don't want to lose that. And I do remember that time period. And, you know, I was just full in at that point. I wasn't working. I was full in mom mode, which is what I wanted to do very much so. And yeah, you just are like, oh man, here I am. Yeah. It's one of those things that I, I never look at it and say, oh, I, I wish I would have started back swimming earlier. It would have been hard. I don't, you know, it just wouldn't have worked. And your comment about different seasons is so true, but you're in the spot right now. And I just think that I guess I would say like, try it, just try it out and see if connection happens. And besides you said the tournaments, what, where is this going to happen? In Italy? Italy. Italy. And even though I grew up in Europe, I have never been to Italy as an adult. I I think the last time I went to Italy was as a four-year-old. You have a different experience. I think so. Yeah. And and these are really wonderful people too. Okay. So I'm going to marinate more on that. It's interesting yeah. that it keeps coming up. Let's not blow this episode up to two hours. So let's, okay. try, let's try to bring it to a close here. And Great. you may remember the final question that I ask all of my guests, but the last question that I have for you, Christy, is what is your greatest gift to the world? I believe my greatest gift to the world is that I'm empathetic and sometimes to my own detriment. Um, And I've had to learn to be able to, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe seal myself off at times um, and protect myself because I can really pick up things about people very quickly. But I think that then that makes me a better partner, a better mom, a better sister, a better friend, you know, a better coach is because I'm able to, you know, pick these things up. And I would also say a second one is I'm a really good listener. And I think that goes along with being empathetic. I think sometimes these, these words, empathy and compassion, they all kind of get mixed up together. Mm. But empathy is really the ability to feel the other person's feelings or relate to the other person's Mm -hmm. feelings, right? And so I do see how that would be a great gift in listening because you're not just having this abstract experience while you're talking to someone. You're really getting into their soul and their world of feelings. And that is a wonderful gift. And I've definitely experienced it talking to you. So thank thank you for giving giving a little bit of it to me today. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My, My privilege. So um, before I want to give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug if you want to, I know you've been, <laughs> I know you've been working on your, your coaching as it relates to nonprofit yes. board members. So yes, so yes, thank- to plug away. Yeah, thank you, Katja. So in my coaching business, 
I coach on personal leadership and among many things, but personal leadership. And I also have a wealth of experience in the nonprofit world. I've served on several foundation boards as the president or the board chair. Those, those terms are interchangeable. And so the name of my business is Inspirata Coaching, um, and that's I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-A coaching.com. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I have started a series of articles over the summer just about being a great board chair and and basically how not to be, I mean, the subtitle, which I don't think I put out there is basically how not to be an asshole board chair. <laughs> but, and because a lot of people come into those positions, they get elected and they're like, now what? And so I've seen the good, bad, and ugly. So yeah, check that out. And thank you for allowing me to to do a little plug there. I appreciate appreciate that. And I appreciate you, Katja. I appreciate you. Okay, you heard it here. All the listeners who are interested in becoming better leaders, better board chairs, go find Christy. I'm going to link all the stuff in the show notes. Thank you again. I had so much fun. Oh, thank you. It was a, such a pleasure. <laughs>